Monday, the 8th of January. Let's begin by praying a prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola to start things off in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will. All I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. It is a better way to start a January morning, cold and perhaps snowy where you are, but... uh, Glad to have you along here as we kick things off for the work week for many of you, school week for most of you. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has our video feed up and running. You can check it out on Facebook and YouTube and get a direct link at sunrisemorningshow.com. Kevin Schmeising will have a look at this week in Catholic history this morning. We'll also talk to Dr. Jared Stout. He's been involved in Exodus 90, among other things, and we'll uh, chat with him today. Bobby Schindler will talk about some threats to the medically vulnerable to be aware of as we enter the new year, especially in Australia, and as we mark the baptism of the Lord at the beginning of the year. Liz Lev is going to discuss the uh, baptism of the Lord in art, and we'll even have like a little live stream slideshow that you can check out for our video feed. So, good day to log on to that. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Congressional leaders are announcing a budget agreement that will keep the government funded through 2024. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson made a joint announcement of the nearly $1.7 trillion deal yesterday. The spending agreement will reportedly keep a number of domestic and social programs funded despite GOP calls for major budget cuts. Pope Francis yesterday, to mark the feast of the baptism of the Lord, baptized 16 infants in the Sistine Chapel. Vatican News reports Pope Francis, as he usually does, made it clear that it was perfectly acceptable if one of the children cried during the ceremony, saying, quote, it only takes one to give the first note and the concert starts. The Holy Father told the children's parents to teach them the day of their baptism is like a birthday and a day to be celebrated. The ceremony ended with the playing of Silent Night in Italian as parents and godparents received a rosary and briefly chatted with the Holy Father. The prefect for the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith has been pushing back against German bishops who have seen the recent declaration on blessings as an affirmation of their synodal way that is seeking to create formal liturgical blessings for same-sex couples. The Catholic News Agency reports that in an interview with a German newspaper, Cardinal Victor Fernandez said, Fiducia Supplicans was a clear answer to such plans, saying, quote, it is not the answer that people in two or three countries would like to have. 
The National Weather Service has issued a flood watch for the entire state of New Jersey as an impending storm is expected to bring heavy rains to the region tomorrow. The storm is forecast to begin tomorrow and last into Wednesday, dumping up to four inches on northern New Jersey and two to three inches in the south. High winds tomorrow afternoon could bring major flooding to the northern part of the state. Winds are forecast up to 50 miles per hour with power outages considered to be likely. The cockpit voice recorder of an Alaska Airlines flight from Portland, Oregon to California that lost a section of the fuselage on Friday will be worthless to investigators. The National Transportation Safety Board says that because the recorder lasts only two hours and then records over the previous time, all the information from when the emergency happened was lost. European airlines are required to have recorders that last 25 hours. The NTSB is calling on the FAA to require the upgrade to 25 hours on all U.S. commercial airliners. And a new college football national champion will be crowned in Houston tonight. The Michigan Wolverines are set to face the Washington Huskies in the college football playoff national championship game at NRG Stadium. Michigan enters fresh off a 27 to 20 takedown of Alabama in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. Washington is coming off a 37 to 31 victory over Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Should be a good game tonight, Matt. Who are you rooting for, Anna Mitchell? <laughs> I don't have a dog in this fight, Matt. No. Do you have like a smaller? There more is like, a husky in. Yeah. Like violent, kind of maybe related to the rodential family in this fight. I think you do have a dog in this fight, Anna Mitchell. There is a husky in this fight. Yeah, well, it's yours because I can't ever envision a world where you'd be rooting for Michigan. I'm really, I'm not rooting for either team. I'm just going to okay. watch the game. Paul's like Big Ten. Paul's Paul's Big Ten. I'd like to see Washington do something crazy. Shock the world. Shock the world. It would be fun. Would Would that really shock the world? I'm not sure that it would. They're well, really good. Like, they are, but like they've been kind of I don't know. I mean, everybody's been talking Big 10 and SEC every year around this time, you know, mm-hmm. for as long as we've had college football playoffs. Yeah. I don't know, it'd be interesting. It's true. It's true. Very interesting. It'll be an interesting yeah, game it. for sure. We could uh we could give a shout out to the other Sacred Heart Radio. Yeah. In the uh, Pacific Northwest. That's right. We are glad that you're along here on this Monday, January the 8th. It is seven minutes past the hour. Let's take a look at this week in Catholic history, and here to do that with us is Kevin Schmeezing. He is the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. And we go to our own home archdiocese of Cincinnati for a little history today. That's right. The first bishop of Cincinnati, Edward Fenwick, was consecrated this week in 1822. He was born in 1768 in the colony of Maryland to a prominent Catholic family. His father would be an officer in the American Revolution. Two of his first cousins would also be Jesuits. Benedict would be the second bishop of Boston, and Enoch would be a president of Georgetown College. Like John Carroll and Charles Carroll and other Catholics from leading families, Edward was sent abroad to study to a Dominican college in Belgium. He joined the Dominican order in 1788 and was ordained in 1793. 
He returned to the U.S. in 1804 and received from Bishop John Carroll the charge of establishing a Dominican presence on the American frontier. Edward and his fellow friars settled in central Kentucky, a few miles from Bardstown, which would become the hub of Catholic activity in the region. We've talked about that area many times. From there, Dominicans served the scattered Catholic population of the frontier. Fenwick himself ministered in Ohio, where he helped to found the state's first Catholic parish in Somerset, and Dominicans still serve there today. In 1821, the Diocese of Cincinnati was created, and on January 13th, this week in 1822, Edward Fenwick was consecrated as its first bishop. He laid the foundations for the new diocese, establishing a seminary, building a cathedral, starting a newspaper, and inviting into the diocese Sisters of Charity and Dominican Sisters. His tenure as bishop lasted 10 years. He contracted cholera during an epidemic in 1832. Edward Fenwick was consecrated bishop this week in 1822. And about 40 years later, uh, we're marking another event. Now, a lot of people who know about the Society for the Propagation of the Faith know it through Archbishop Fulton Sheen, but it didn't start with him, did it? No, that's right. This French society started with Pauline Marie Jaracot, and she died this week in 1862. In fact, there's a connection to what we talked about in the first segment, because when bishops like Edward Fenwick were struggling to finance their diocesan projects, they had the assistance of this French association, which was founded the same year Fenwick was consecrated as bishop. The Society for the Propagation of the Faith was the creation of Pauline Marie Jaracot, Um, As I mentioned, who died this week in 1862, she was born in 1799 to a Lyon businessman and his wife. Beginning in her teen years, she suffered a series of setbacks, a serious illness, then the death of her mother, the death of a brother, and these crises led her to a spiritual intensity. She took a vow of virginity in 1816, though she never became a nun. She resolved to assist the missionary activity of the church, not by becoming a missionary herself, but by supporting missionaries with prayer and financial backing. So in 1822, she formed the Society for the Propagation of the Faith. It played a major role in missionary efforts across the world, including the United States. Many of our early dioceses benefited immensely from its support. And during this period, Jericho enjoyed the guidance of a pretty good spiritual director, his name, St. John Vianney. She experienced a healing from her longtime illness in 1835 and attributed it to the intercession of Vianney's favorite, St. Philomena. She did meet failure later in life when she tried to begin an industrial concern based on principles of Catholic social teaching, but it was ruined by corrupt managers. So having devoted her fortune to others, she spent the final years of her life in poverty. She died this week, January 9th, 1862, at the age of 62. Her cause was opened in 1925, and she was beatified just recently in 2022. So she is Blessed Pauline Marie Jaracot, and she died this week in 1862 pretty fascinating backstory and grateful for her help in the American church. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Matt. You too. All right, let's check on weather for the nation. The morning will start with snow showers from the eastern Rockies through the northern plains. As the day progresses, these showers will extend into western portions of the Midwest. Blizzard conditions are possible along the Front Range at times during the day. A mix of rain, sleet, and snow will impact the central plains in the morning, while the southern plains will get rain, mostly just rain, with a few thunderstorms possible in the mix of that. By late afternoon and evening, rain and thunderstorms concentrated over the mid to lower Mississippi Valley and Gulf Coast. 
Meanwhile, snow showers will be extending from the upper Mississippi Valley to the Central Plains. West of the Cascades, precipitation will mostly fall as rain with the potential for some sleet to mix in. At higher elevations, snowfall will occur, while east of that range, uh, extending out to the northern Rockies, there will be a mix of snow and rain. The rest of the country will remain mostly dry. Back with headlines after this, it's 12 minutes past the hour. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. 14 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Congressional leaders are announcing a budget agreement to help keep the that will keep the government funded throughout 2024. Pope Francis yesterday to mark the feast of the baptism of the Lord baptized 16 infants in the Sistine Chapel and during his Angelus address spoke of our own baptism about how it made us children of God forever. Ba- baptism was actually uh, what we got to talk about in RCIA yesterday. Well, that was providential. OCIA. We got to just change all four letters. Just got to change so all four letters yeah. so you don't... It's too tricky. It's like when they called the WWF the WWE. They should have just changed them all at the... You know, it, at any rate. That's my analogy. But it strikes me that there's a lot of so many interesting things about baptism that the catechism says uh and you know it it gives all these images uh the symbolism connected with baptism you've got water and you've got light uh and you know if you read the early church fathers they talk about baptism in terms of of being washed right Mm -hmm. and regenerated but they also talk about it as enlightenment so uh what's interesting is that if you're not sort of keyed in on the church fathers and you don't kind of have that 
view of Scripture, then you might catch the word baptism when it pops up. You might not necessarily connect all the water imagery to baptism, and you certainly would not connect anything involving like being brought into the light right mm-hmm. with baptism but that's something that the early church connected from the beginning oh absolutely um, i forget which church father it was who said every time you see water in scripture you should be thinking about baptism it might have been one of the cyrils or cyprians maybe might have been might have been but it just might struck have been me hippolytus too. yeah well sorry go ahead it, it could have been all of them uh, at <laughs> well, various points that's a good point uh, but when you are, well, not when you specifically are, but when people who are involved in astronomical pursuits are exploring the universe, thinking about, you know, where's a place that we humans might be able to live someday or that uh, aliens might live now? What's the first thing that they look for on some sort of planetary formation or asteroid to think about whether or not there might be life there? Water. It's water, right? It's water. And what's the second thing they look for (laughs) to see if it might sustain life? Light. Uh, They look to see if there's enough light that's warm enough from the nearest star to give it you know, the kind of stuff that would cause something akin to photosynthesis in our world. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, you know, of course, you, you see this, you know, John's gospel really highlights this this idea of Jesus being the light of the world and this question of, of Nicodemus saying, you know, how can I be born again? And Jesus saying it's through water and Jesus with, you know, giving living water to the woman at the well and all these things that have to do with water and and life. Uh, and light. So, I don't know, just think about that today. Like, when we look for life on other planets, what do we look for? Life uh, comes through water and light. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's even in the natural world. And God has built that sort of message into just the fabric of creation. Absolutely. And something, I don't remember what it was we were talking about last week, Matt, but uh, this idea of being clothed with Christ in our baptism and how um you know jesus is the light of the world as john's gospel tells us and yet jesus tells us that we are also the light of the world because we have been clothed with christ and therefore we are the light as well that jesus gives us i mean we we become part of the body of Christ and therefore that is Christ's light shining through us we are Christ to one another um, the the connections that all get made through this and Matt we lost your video feed so I'm not sure if you're still are you still there oh, I'm still here oh, okay good the um it's just incredible when you it's mind-blowing really when you start putting these things together and how everything that Christ is, we are. Yeah. I mean, wow. Well, you get into uh, into these, these images where, you know, sometimes you can get into fights online about these questions. I know that this happens to me a lot uh, because 
we'll put up a video of somebody who became Catholic over the Coming Home Network, and a bunch of people who are not Catholic will be like, well, that's not true about Matthew sixteen eighteen, and, you know, Peter's not the, actually the rock. It's Peter's faith that's the rock. And actually, some people say, well, Jesus is actually pointing to himself when he said, upon this rock, you know, all these various things. But, but Paul says in Ephesians 4 that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles. And in another place, Paul says nobody can build on any foundation other than Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, But we're all meant to be incorporated into that same mystery. God is our rock of refuge. Jesus is, right, the rock. He calls Peter to be the rock. He actually calls all the rest of the apostles to be rocks. And then St. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that you and I are all stones. Right. Like in that building. It's all put together. Yeah. It's all put together. The body of Christ is one. There you have it. It's one of the four marks. Indeed. Got a little deeper than I meant to get on a Monday morning, Anna Mitchell. But man. That mystical range. That's what baptism does to you. That's what it does. It enlightens. Dive into the deep. It's 21 past. Owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. It is amazing that the more things change, the more they remain the same. In many parishes, there are disputes about the celebration of the Holy Eucharist. Some want this and others want that. The great act of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, which is at its center to effect unity in the church, instead brings about division. St. Paul faced the same problem with the Corinthians. He was not pleased with how the church was celebrating the Lord's Supper. He writes, When you meet together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, and one is hungry, and the other is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you for this? No, I will not. Paul warns the Corinthians that whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of Christ. Paul's concern is also our concern. When we come to Mass, we need to be mentally and spiritually prepared. Let us prepare our souls by prayer and confession and our bodies by the fast. In that way, we do not bring judgment upon ourselves, but grace. This is what the heart of Paul teaches us. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, from Tan Books. Dr. Stout, welcome back. Morning. Thanks for having me. It is good to have you back. And we've talked for a few segments about what is really going on at the Mass and talked about how truly in the liturgy we have an unveiling of heaven where where our time meets eternity, which is really incredible, of course. But at the same time, Dr. Stout, why is Mass important for me? Well, ultimately... 
it's important for us because we need God. <laughs> we need, we need him exactly. so much that he tells us that we need him more than we need bread. You know, give us this day our daily bread, right? We, we were talking before that that means a super substantial bread is that we do not live by bread alone. And so the mass ultimately is about God. It's not about us. You know, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, people stop going to mass and like, uh, it's not really doing anything for me. <laughs> So it's it's not about you. It's it's about God, but God is our deepest need. You know, we are made for Him. And we would be. I mean, it's you sit there and you think like, okay, what we just talked about over these past couple of weeks in your last chapter about eternity entering time. Like, if only we could see it, right? And and you talk in this next chapter on on praying the mass about this need to have a sacramental vision. And, and so my question to you is, what is a sacramental vision and how does that help me better understand what's happening at the Mass and why it's so important for me? Well, when we were talking about the early church, you know, I mentioned that there was something called the Disciplina Arcana, mm -hmm. the arcane discipline where, you know, you, you couldn't come to Mass unless you were baptized, right? You had to be a catechumen to attend the, the beginning part of Mass, but to be there for the whole thing, you had to be baptized. The Mass doesn't really make sense apart from faith, right? You know, you see a bunch of people standing, sitting, kneeling. You hear a bunch of stuff that, you know, maybe immediately doesn't make a lot of sense, right? The Mass is meant to be seen and understood through faith. Um, it, it, of course, is a, a great sacrament. The Eucharist is the greatest of the sacraments. So what are sacraments? an outward sign instituted by Jesus to give us grace. But there's the, these outward signs that you see a symbol on the outside, a sign, um, and that this sign is efficacious, the church says. The sign makes something happen. So a lot of times, you know, like Protestants would view the sacraments just as symbols, right? They just symbolize something else. But we view the sacraments as efficacious signs that they are symbols that actually make what they symbolize present to us. And so faith helps us to, to view things on a deeper level, that we can see the meaning of the signs, that we can see the realities that they communicate. I mean, a sacramental vision of reality ultimately sees everything as pointing beyond itself, like all of creation is a sacrament of, of God's life that he has made to point back to him that human beings are sacraments of even our interior life of our souls and that the moral life, our actions, that these things em embody the, the deeper longings that we have. Um, and that without this kind of sacramental vision, you go to mass and you only see what's on the surface. That's not very compelling. You know, <laughs> you look at that and you're like, why am I here? Right. You have to be able to see deeper to understand what God is really doing at the Mass and how this really is an encounter with Him. Well, not going to Mass is certainly not going to help you obtain that sacramental vision, though. So I would imagine that a greater participation in the Mass, you can, you can pray for a greater sacramental vision. You know, sometimes I wonder, though, you know, it's mm. just like if, if we just try to push everybody into Mass without the right disposition, does it do more harm than good, mm. right? Because they're there... They don't know why they're there. They don't understand what's happening. So it, it's a difficult thing, right? So then and, how and we do... have to understand that the sacraments need preparation, right? Yeah, and absolutely. There's a difficulty there. Yeah. Well, where, well, then how, 
that's where the rub is, right, Dr. Stout? <laughs> I mean, it's like how does one then gain a sacramental vision or regain a sacramental vision if it's been lost? There's so many things to say to that. But in terms of inviting people to Mass, I, I at least want to address that clearly. That sure. Sometimes it's better to invite them to something else. And one of the biggest problems that parishes have with evangelization is that there's no shallow entry point. Mm. You can come to Mass, but like I said, maybe that's not a good idea if you don't have the faith to understand what's going on there. Mm -hmm. um, you could go to RCIA, but then it's like now OCIA. But, you know, you don't want to do that unless you actually are interested in becoming Catholic most of the time. So where, where do you come, right? And that's where I say it's good to have like a weekly gathering in the home. You know, like maybe on the Lord's Day, invite people mm -hmm. over to talk about the faith, get them ready to go to Mass. If we're talking about kids, though, that's a whole nother matter. And I think the best way to prepare someone who is a believer to be able to enter into the sacramental reality of the Mass is by growing in a life of prayer. Because then um, through silent meditative prayer, we become more perceptive to the way that God works in the interior life uh, because ultimately the mass the participation of the mass is not about standing sitting kneeling and just you know singing a hymn which is actually not even an essential part of the mass at all you right. know yeah. um, it is ultimately about uniting yourself to the actions of christ and this is an interior work all the exterior things are there to facilitate the interior work but you're not going to be able to enter the interior work unless you have a life of prayer. So that's what I would say would be the, the best way to attune our interior senses, right? And that includes the, the vision of faith. To attune these senses to God is through prayer. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jared Stout. You can find his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, linked in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Congressional leaders are announcing a budget agreement that will keep the government funded through 2024. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson made a joint announcement of the nearly $1.7 trillion deal yesterday. The spending agreement will reportedly keep a number of domestic and social programs funded, despite some GOP calls for more extreme budget cuts. News of the breakthrough comes as both the House and Senate are set to return from holiday break this week. As a battle with the Biden administration continues, the Supreme Court is allowing the state of Idaho to penalize doctors who perform abortions instead of caring for both mother and child in the emergency room. Brian Shook reports. On Friday, the high court overruled a lower judge who previously said that part of the state's abortion ban conflicted with federal law. Other provisions of the near-total abortion ban had already taken effect. Now, doctors who perform abortions in emergency situations could be subject to criminal penalties. The Supreme Court said it will hear arguments on the issue in April. I'm Brian Shook. There was a similar case out of Texas decided earlier in the week last week when the Fifth Circuit Court of appeals blocked the Biden administration from forcing doctors to offer abortions. Susan B. Anthony List President Marjorie Dannenfelser said, quote, for the second time, federal courts have delivered a big win for babies, mothers and the doctors who care for them. In the case of pregnancy, the, medical, the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act 
specifically says that hospitals must consider two patients, the mother and her unborn child. There is no basis whatsoever in this law for forcing doctors to carry out abortions, even against their better medical judgment. She says the Fifth Circuit already made that crystal clear, rejecting the Biden administration's false and radical interpretation that ignored the baby altogether. Now the Supreme Court has affirmed that Idaho's protections for babies and women will remain fully in effect while the court hears these cases, end quote. Pope Francis yesterday, to mark the feast of the baptism of the Lord, baptized 16 infants in the Sistine Chapel. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Under the magnificent frescoes of the Sistine Chapel, Pope Francis presided over the Mass on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, recalling how the Lord's gift of faith to these children, the newly baptized, shows how they were also protagonists of the ceremony since they give witness of how to receive faith. He said they decide on this feast day as they prepare to receive the gift of faith. In fact, the Pope continued, let them be an example of faith to us. May they show us how to receive our faith with innocence and with open hearts. Romeo, yo te bautizo en nombre del Padre, y del Hijo, y del Espíritu Santo. Pope then went on to baptize each child one by one, welcoming each into the faith. Addressing then the godparents who'd been accompanying the children with their parents, the Holy Father said that they should be of help to the children as they accompany them in their growth, because this too is a way to help the faith, he said, and he thanked them for their witness. The Pope also encouraged the families to see the date of their baptism as a sort of birthday. It's the day that the faith was received, he said, a day to be celebrated, and you should teach your children that as well. During the ceremony, each father, one by one, was given a candle to light. The Pope said, take these candles home with you, as they represent the Christian light, which must never go out, inviting the families to turn to the candle in times of trial to remember this Christian light. Finally, accompanied by the words and music of Silent Night in Italian, the parents and godparents received a rosary and exchanged a few words with Pope Francis, who concluded the celebration by going around and blessing each and every child. I'm Thaddeus Jones. During his Angelus address, the Holy Father stressed the importance of our own baptism, saying it made us children of God forever. He said it is, in fact, not like John's, a symbolic gesture, but a real gift of divine, eternal life, an event of grace and communion with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, let us make a commitment to seek and remember the date of our baptism and today. Let us thank the Lord, because since then, he is not only with us, but in us. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes. The If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. 
Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is the church? The church is the congregation of all those who profess the faith of Christ, partake of the same sacraments, and are governed by their lawful pastors under one visible head. Those who profess the faith of Christ, then, are those who believe what Christ taught. And in order to believe it and to know it, they learned it from the apostles and from the successors to the apostles. They partake of the same sacraments that the apostles themselves partook of from the hands of our Lord. The true church is governed by lawful pastors, that is, those who have the authority of the apostles that they have received from them, under the visible head of the Pope, who is the successor to St. Peter. Let us thank the Lord for giving us this perpetuation of his presence through space and time, through history, and now even through grace, that we might be a part of his mystical body both here on earth and in heaven. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Bobby Schindler now joins us from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So, uh, unfortunately, 2024 has already got us thinking about some ways that people are trying to expand assisted suicide. What are some things you've been keeping your eye on? Sure, and, and we're seeing, I mean, there's just this progression of the legalization of assisted suicide. It's like they're picking off countries. Uh, and, and even here, uh, Matt, United States, and, and we can talk about that in a second. But, but just uh, just before Christmas, uh, Cuba um, legalized assisted suicide for the entire country. And uh, Wesley Smith, of course, wrote about it. And Wesley made a a very good point, uh, which uh, you know, many of the people that leave Cuba come to the United States because of our health care, because it's so much better than it is in Cuba. And, and Wesley points out that. Cuba is a very poor country, and people there already have problems uh, getting good care. Um, the, the country is, he says, is plagued by medicine shortage, shortages, and the facilities are inadequate. And he, he, he comments how poor access to medical care and the, uh, the fact that it's socialized medicine, he says it's a toxic combination, and feels that people are going to be driven to euthanasia rather than uh, to be given proper care. So uh, we can see how that's set up to be something that's very dangerous and problematic. And then also, uh, Matt, just after the New Year's, the, the Australia has been, uh, you know, Australia has broken into six states and two territories, and, and they're uh, progressing and, and legalizing assisted suicide in, in many of the states and, and some of the territories. And now, the Australian Human Rights Commission is pushing. You know, it's it's amazing, Matt. What you know, all this targeting children, but they want to legalize assisted suicide for minors and uh, without parental consent, which is just you know you think about these things and it's just insane. I mean, we we call we call minors children children and minors for a reason is because 
you know, their brains aren't developed to make uh, certain types of decisions, and they, and, they need, and they need guidance by people that know better, adults. And when it comes to life and death decisions, to allow kids to make those decisions without having any parental consent, I mean, it just, I think it's, it's an illustration of just how much we've, we've come off the rails that we're even considering allowing kids. And, and this is a push also going on in Canada right now to allow minors to choose death if, uh, if they feel it, it's something that they want to relieve, you know, some type of suffering that they're experiencing. So, again, Matt, we're seeing this steady progression, and, and I, you know, I hate to be so negative, but uh, this, this, this right-to-die movement and agenda is so aggressive and so persistent, and they're convincing more and more people how, how suffering is a bad thing, and, and so many of us are buying into it that I think it's just a matter of time we're going to see this expansion of assisted suicide, not, not only in the countries that we're seeing, but right here in the United States, where I've read just recently, I think there's 10 states. We have 10 states already that have legalized assisted suicide, and now I think up in 2024 uh, we have at least 10 states that are considering uh, adopting assisted suicide laws for, uh, for the upcoming year. Yeah, well, I mean, suffering is indeed a bad thing, right? But we have a different perspective on resolving it than the right-to-die movement has on it, right? We understand that you resolve suffering by trying to figure out how to alleviate it, not by killing everybody who's suffering, right? These are these are uh, important distinctions for us to make, right? It's like uh, there are ways to end war, and it's... You know, you could drop 500 nuclear bombs on your enemy, and that would be the end of a war, right? Uh, it'd be the end of everything else, too. <laughs> so when it comes to this stuff, it, it just strikes me as you're talking, Bobby, that, you know, when you, you mentioned that people who are, you know, adolescent, I mean, I know my adolescent situation. I was all over the place trying to figure out who I was and what was going on with my life, and I knew all kinds of people who were struggling with way harder stuff than I was, and yet... Um, it's not just the right to die lobby. It's a whole bunch of other lobbies that are trying to figure out how to worm their way into get kids to make permanent, irrevocable decisions about themselves at these at these stages. Things that cannot be reversed. Uh, that they're being targeted for these things. And some might say, "Well, let them choose, right? Let them let them have their say." What happens when you let people choose is that eventually it's not really even a choice for a family anymore. The choice gets out of the family and is then made by the government. And we see this – I mean California is a, a, a textbook example of this. Like at a certain point, once these things get rolling too far, the parents aren't even involved, and the parents can be kept in the dark on what a kid wants about some of this stuff. Right, and, and we're even seeing cases, Matt, where parents uh, are, are being taken to court and, and criminal. You know, you're seeing parents that are being threatened with criminal uh, um, type of decisions when they go against what these kids want, and which is which is really uh, frightening. Um, you know, I think I, I think I, I, I didn't I didn't say this, and I heard it a long time ago, and it's so true. When when I heard someone say the slippery slope never never loses, and, and I think. You know, you can apply that to, to pretty much almost anything that's, that's, that we can consider wicked and evil. And we're seeing it here with this right to die movement and how it's, how it's expanding and this steady progression. You know, Matt, I thought it was important. I, I, I thought about it last night when I was reading these things. Uh, to, to go back and look at how the, 
the catechism of the church feels about euthanasia and assisted suicide. And, and I pulled up from the second edition, it says, and it's, it's, it's cited in 2277, and I, and I read from it, it says, whatever, whatever its motives and means, direct euthanasia consists in putting an end to the lives of, of handicapped, sick, or dying persons it is morally unacceptable. And it also says, thus, an, an act of, an, of omission which, of itself or by intention, causes death, in order to eliminate suffering, constitutes a murder gravely contrary to the dignity of the human person and to the respect due to the living God, his Creator. So, I mean, the, the, the Church couldn't be more clear in its opposition and its, its position that it's a great evil to kill yourself or use... Uh, euthanasia or assisted suicide to kill another. So I think it's good to be reminded where we, you know, where the Catholic Church, their position when it comes to these types of issues. Well, thanks so much, Bobby Schindler from the Life and Hope Network. Uh, Anna Mitchell, we've got something kind of cool yeah. we're going to try out. We've never really done this before in the video feed. Well, but, uh, this is so cool. So um, Liz Lev, the art historian, often comes on the show to talk about great pieces of art to depict a certain feast day or a certain theme, you know, whatever. So for the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, which we are celebrating here in the United States today, um, she's got some great, beautiful pieces of art to share depicting the the baptism of our Lord. And so I found out from her which ones she was going to use or which ones she was going to talk about. And then you I You make handed, a PowerPoint project, I Anna handed Mitchell. them off. Well, I handed them off to Travis. To Travis made a PowerPoint. Well, a he's, PowerPoint. So he's probably if, just going to be punching them up live. Yeah. So if you are watching the video feed, and if you aren't watching the video feed, head over to our website and click on uh, YouTube or find it in the show notes for today for the video feed so that you can actually look at the images while Liz is describing them. Which is funny because usually when Liz is describing them, I'm like Googling at them as she's talking. Mm -hmm. Well, now Travis did <laughs> that for you. Save me the work. Travis has done Thanks, the work Travis. for you. Thanks, yeah. well, Thanks, cool. Travis. So, yeah, well, Liz Lev joins us next. It's 14 till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. 
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or an agenda that people don't want to talk about. The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Thursday night, 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. 12 Till, here's Anna with headlines. Congressional leaders are announcing a budget agreement that will keep the government funded through 2024. Pope Francis yesterday to mark the feast of the baptism of the Lord baptized 16 infants in the Sistine Chapel and during his Angelus address stressed the importance of our own baptism, saying it made us children of God forever. Next newscast coming up in about 15-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 12 till. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Liz Lev, the art historian and guide to Rome, author of How Catholic Art Saved the Faith, as well as The Silent Night. You can find her online at elizabeth-lev.com, as well as mastersgalleryrome.com. Liz, welcome back. Hi, how are you? Happy New Year. Hey, thank you, and to you as well. And we will be talking about the baptism of the Lord in art today. And just to hearken back to how Catholic art saved the faith for a moment, baptism, amazingly, was a sacrament that had to be defended by the Church in the wake of the Protestant revolt, wasn't it? Absolutely. It has to do with what one does with one ba- one's baptism. So it seems like the baptism was the one sacrament that didn't really seem to cause any problems, but really we'll find as we go through these works of art that even the artists of the Counter-Reformation had to really reaffirm what baptism means for the faithful and our mission as, as, as followers of Christ. Yeah, so let's talk about the images that uh, you have decided to share with our listeners today. Start with a mosaic in Ravenna. Well, this is in what they call the Orthodox mosaic, the Orthodox Baptistry of Ravenna, was built by the Bishop Neo in the fifth century, and it's a beautiful octagonal space, brick on the outside, and then you walk into this extraordinary splendor. And when you look into it, you see decorations everywhere. But the ceiling is decorated with a mosaic of the image of the baptism of Christ. And I am so impressed by knowing that this is a mosaic, by uh, Jesus's legs being seen in the water. Like, wow, it's very impressive. Isn't that amazing? Mosaic work here. (laughs) 
It's very, these are the best of the best of the best. The fifth century was kind of a, a golden age, if, you, if you'll forgive the pun, of mosaic making. And you have this image of Christ who's represented this very, you notice he's fully nude. It's really quite remarkable. He just spoils himself of his divinity. He stands in the water. And the way the water comes up so high on his body is an indication of the, um, is an indication of the full immersion baptism baptisms that were done at the time. So in that in that space, the catechumenate would be brought in by the bishop, and his head would be put under water in a basin, in a big, large, almost like pool basin, to simulate the River Jordan, which is in the mosaic, personified reclining on his side. Then the catechumenate would come out, and his face would be lifted upwards. He'd be held by that. The bishop would hold his head and lift his head upwards, and there, his first thing he would see, cleansed of original sin, golden background, then Christ's own baptism. Really a, a, an amazing, powerful way of really driving home to the faithful the meaning and the importance of baptism and the preciousness of it as well. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Okay, so John the Baptist is easily recognizable here in this image. Who's the guy on the other side of Jesus in the water? So the guy who's on the other side is actually the personification of the River Jordan. The Romans like to give bodies to things, and so they imagine the river as being present, the river as being part of it. And so when you see a reclining figure like that, for example, uh, the fountain of the four rivers in Piazza Navona, when you see the reclining figure, it is the personification of the river itself. Oh, okay. All right. So that's what you were talking about. I just didn't understand as you were, were discussing. Well, let's move on to... Uh, the next time I want to be able to get to uh, all three of these images. Um, another one from the Renaissance, Piera della Francesca. Mm-hmm. Piero della Francesca is a remarkable painter, and I have to say, I, I think I chose this because it's pouring rain here in Rome, and it's so <laughs> dark, and the way that Piero della Francesca, there's so many amazing images of the baptism of Christ in the Renaissance. It's a subject they loved. But this one, its luminosity is so extraordinary. It's so luminous. It's so pearlescent, and the calm and the peacefulness that he represents is really, it's, it, 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 it's just something very special and very striking. Piero della Francesca is an artist from the Renaissance, about 1480, when he would have produced this work. And he's from um, uh, an area kind of in Tuscany, kind of smaller area in Tuscany. And he studied a lot of mathematics. And you can feel that sense of volume and space and calm in mathematics when you look at his works. Uh, the, the Jordan River looks a lot more shallow in this image. Yes, there's a, quite a difference because, of course, at this point, um, there's not so much of an interest in uh, this, this. They don't do full immersion baptisms. The reason why they stopped doing full immersion baptisms fairly early on is the rise of infant baptism. And babies, as everybody knows, are very slippery. <laughs> so putting them into a giant basin and misplacing them is a bit awkward. So they started to do uh, more and more of these baptisms where it would just be the sprinkling of the water on the head of the catechumenate. And so in this case, we have the Jordan River, but it's seen as something very low. What's really beautiful, though, 
like just what makes Piero della Francesca spectacular is the way that luminous sky is reflected in the silvery water. Yeah. Like I just get caught up in that particular detail, which is just breathtaking. And the luminosity of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove or this like a dove hovering above his head. There's just this sense of purity, right? Limpid purity. And it gives us that visual sensation of this wiping away, this, this way that the baptism wipes away original sin, almost like it were cleaning with this pure pulse of light. Yeah, now we got to get to uh, the one by Karachi with the time that we have left here. This is an incredible scene here. Oh, this, so the Baroque, we need a lot of people in the baptism scene, right? So there's a whole heavenly crowd, there's an earthly crowd, there's a mom and a baby in the corner, again, allusions to infant baptism. We have a few other people on the left-hand side taking off their clothes, getting ready. God in the heavens, musical angels for a little background music. Everything is happening. Everything. So what is it about this image that you love so much, Liz? I think it's a very important image because it shows the role that baptism makes us part of the community of Christ, and as a result, we are there to obey the Lord, we are there to take on our mission as Christians. And the change that happens with the other two images where Jesus is so erect and he's clearly represented as this divinity, in the images with Anibale Karachi on, you see Jesus bowing down, you see him sort of his, his, almost sort of in, a, in an almost uh, repetition of that image of Mary who says, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Jesus has come to be obedient to the Lord's will unto death. He shows us how to do it. And so that position of bowing, that position of accepting his, his duty is really, really remarkable. Wow, wow, wow. And I really hope you were watching the video feed as we discussed all of these with Liz Lev. Liz, thank you so much. And you can, of course, find Liz and her books and her websites linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Just click on the show notes for today and you can uh, see what else Liz is up to. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up in just a couple of minutes here for most of our affiliates on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hope you can stay with us. our way on this Monday, January the 8th here in the United States, commemorating the feast of the baptism of the Lord. Our Redeemer desired to be baptized in the Jordan by John. Let us make this prayer to him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ, you made your light shine on us by revealing yourself. Grant us the spirit of humble service to all people. Christ, you humbled yourself and received baptism from your servant to show us the way of humility. Grant us the spirit of humble service to our fellow men. Christ, through your baptism, you cleansed us of every blemish and made us children of your Father. 
Bestow your spirit of adoption on all who seek you. Christ, through baptism, you have consecrated creation and opened the door of repentance to all who prepare for baptism. Make us servants of your gospel in the world. Christ, through your baptism, you revealed to us the Holy Trinity. Renew the spirit of adoption among the royal priesthood of the baptized. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, and welcome to Hour 2 of the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell coming to you from the studios of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. Matt Swain literally just ran out the door. If you were listening to the first hour, you heard Matt open the show, but he has an early flight over to Zanesville to... uh, tape some more episodes of The Journey Home. So please pray for safe travels for him. Paul Lockman at the controls for us. Travis Smith on the video controls for the live stream that you can find at our website. Go to the show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Teresa Tamio will be joining us in just a few minutes to uh, give us an update on what's coming up on Catholic Connection This week on EWTN, Brendan Hodge will join us from The Pillar. He uh, did some analysis, some regional reactions to fiducia supplicans, the the declaration from the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith on blessings and has some uh, interesting theories about the, the common threads when you look at it from a regional standpoint. We'll talk to Bobby Angel later this hour. Uh, He is part of the ever-growing, what shall we say, ever-growing material available through the Ascension Press app. They're now putting out video reflections on the daily readings, and uh, he did the reflection for the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, so we'll talk to him about that. And then we'll wrap things up for the hour with Father John Gavin, author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, Uh, talking about how the world was created for the sake of the church. Whoa, that's going to get deep. So hope you can stick around and enjoy the entire hour ahead. We'll get started right now at three minutes past. News is a service of Central Fabricators and (laughs) centralfabricators.com. Congressional leaders are announcing a budget agreement that will keep the government funded through 2024. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson made a joint announcement of the nearly $1.7 trillion deal yesterday. The spending agreement will reportedly keep a number of domestic and social programs funded, despite some GOP calls for much more major budget cuts. News of the breakthrough comes as both the House and Senate are set to return from holiday break this week. Pope Francis yesterday to mark the feast of the baptism of the Lord baptized 16 infants in the Sistine Chapel. Vatican News reports Pope Francis made it clear it was perfectly acceptable if one of the children cried during the ceremony saying it only takes one to give the first note and then the concert starts. The Pope told the children's parents to teach them the day of their baptism is like a birthday and a day to be celebrated. The ceremony ended with the playing of Silent Night in Italian as parents and godparents received a rosary and a blessing from the Holy Father. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis stressed the importance of our own baptism, saying it makes us children of God forever. 
From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. At our baptism, we became God's beloved children forever, and this is an occasion to remember and celebrate. Io sono consapevole del dono immenso che porto in me per il battesimo. The Holy Father reminded the faithful how our baptism extraordinarily changes our lives and immerses us in his infinite embrace. All this while revealing to us that Jesus is the Son of God, the Pope highlighted also speaks to us of our own baptism. Our baptism, the Pope said, has made us in turn children of God. It is, in fact, not like John's, a symbolic gesture, but the Pope explained a real gift of the divine. At our baptism, we are immersed in his infinite embrace, transmitting to us the power of his saving love. Baptism, he underscored, is the gift not only of a new life, but of becoming, in Jesus, beloved children of God forever. Let us make a commitment to seek and remember the date of our baptism, the Pope urged. And today let us thank the Lord, because since then he is not only with us, but in us. Let us also thank him, the Pope continued, for the parents who brought us to the font, for those who administered the sacrament to us, for the Godfather, the Godmother, for the community in which we received him. The Pope urged the faithful to ask themselves some questions. Am I aware of the immense gift I carry in me because of my baptism? Do I recognize in my life the light of God's presence who sees me as his beloved son, as his beloved daughter? The Holy Father prayed, May Mary, Temple of the Spirit, help us to celebrate and welcome the wonders the Lord performs in us. I'm Deborah Kesselana-Lubav. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says it's imperative that displaced Palestinians in Gaza be allowed to return to their homes. Speaking at a news conference in Qatar on Sunday, Blinken announced, denounced calls by some Israeli officials for Palestinian resettlements outside of Gaza. He stressed that getting more humanitarian aid to Gaza is crucial with more than 90 percent of the region dealing with food insecurity. The prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has pushed back against German bishops who have seen the recent declaration on blessings as an affirmation of their synodal way that seeks to create formal liturgical blessings for same-sex couples. The Catholic News Agency reports that in an interview with a German newspaper, Cardinal Victor Fernandez said that Fiducia Supplicans was a clear answer to such plans, saying, quote, it is not the answer that people in two or three countries would like to have. And responding to the Germans' claim that official blessings of same-sex couples would be a way to address the sexual abuse crisis, he said, quote, to believe that in one part of the world the crisis caused by sexual abuse can be solved by decisions that are contrary to the teaching of the universal churches, in my opinion, not even reasonably justified, end quote. And a new college football national champion will be crowned in Houston tonight. The Michigan Wolverines are set to face the Washington Huskies in the college football playoff national championship game at NRG Stadium. Michigan enters fresh off a 27-20 takedown of Alabama in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. Washington is coming off a 37-31 victory over Texas in the Sugar Bowl. I don't know what time the game starts tonight. Paul, is it at like 8 o'clock? This is going to be like one where I have to go to bed before halftime, I think, probably. Yeah, he's 7.30, he's telling me in my ear. Okay, well, I might get to watch a little bit, but hopefully a good game anyway. I think I know who Teresa Tomio is going to be rooting for today. 
Hey, T. Good morning. Hey, good morning, sweetie. How are you? I am doing all right. How are you? You were sick all last week. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I was just telling Paul, I'm, I'm finally getting my voice. It's almost 100%. I'm going to do the show today. We'll see how it goes. Nice. But it's, I was, like, silent for a week. Dominic was in heaven. <laughs> Teresa Tamio and Dominic having a Deacon Dom having a true silent night when it came to the uh, the octave of Christmas. Mamma mia. Yeah, yeah, but I'm better now. Thanks be to God. So hopefully the voice will hold out. We'll see. Yeah, it seems like everybody was getting sick. Matt and I last week were both sick. I was not allowed to take off. I turned 40 last week, Teresa. (gasps) Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. But um, I had to come into work with almost no voice on my 40th birthday without Matt because he was down with a stomach bug. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, everybody's getting sick. It yeah, crazy. it was going around. I mean, there's a lot of that. And I, I tested negative for COVID, but there's some sort of a virus or something. I don't know what it was, but it was mm. bad. Well, yeah. we're yeah. very glad to have your voice back, all of us radio folks who love to listen to you. So, oh, thanks, um, Well, hey, absolutely. And, of course, very important for you. It's good that it, it you got this out of the way early exactly. in the month because I bet you are making plans right now for Washington, D.C. in, what, two weeks, two-ish yeah, Well, weeks? actually, it's a week from Friday, the 19th, oh if you can gosh, believe it. Oh, my gosh, are yeah. you serious? No, wow. not, yeah, I know, crazy. With the March for Life. Yeah, I'm so excited because I've been asked again to be their, uh, their field reporter for the March, WTN TV, so we'll be out there, God willing, and Deacon Don will be with me and interviewing great people. But I love the theme this year, Annie, with every woman for every child, mm. and, and I think that's so important to get that out there. And so I would suggest that folks, and I know a lot of folks love to watch the march because we're the only ones to do that, you know, literally, as we say in the business, gavel-to-gavel coverage. But to think about the resource center in your area, the Pregnancy Resource Center, do you know where it is? Uh, Do you donate? Do you volunteer? Yeah, if you don't know where it is, find out where it is and learn what they do because they're amazing places that do so much with so little in terms of usually just volunteers and maybe one paid person, maybe a director. But they have such a huge outreach, and they offer so much service for the mother, for the family, and the baby. So that theme with every woman for the child, I just love it. I absolutely, especially in the wake of, I mean, Ohio went the way Mm -hmm. of Michigan um, in November in enshrining a, quote, unquote, right to abortion in our state constitution. And as devastating of of a turn of events that has been for us here in Ohio, I know the same happened to you in Michigan a year Mm -hmm. ago, um, that just because abortion is legal through all nine months of pregnancy, which is a tragedy, but just because it's legal does not mean that women have to choose it. Right. And so it is so important for these pregnancy centers to be not just there, but thriving and teeming with with supplies and with support for women who find themselves in these situations where they think abortion is their only option. But these pregnancy centers teach them, no, it's really not. You have support. We can support you. We will help you get through this. Well, yeah, I think you know that Deacon Dom has been a sidewalk counselor for many years now, mm-hmm. and, and he says when he gets to talk to some of them, and, and they can barely get close nowadays because of all the new restrictions in Michigan, right. but what he does have the opportunity to talk to women uh, or even men that are there bringing women to the abortion mill, 
they will tell you we can't afford. Nine times out of ten, it's about the financial situation. They don't feel they can afford to support mm-hmm. another child. And so this whole idea that it's just a free choice and this is what they want and this is they think it's the best thing for them, no, they're challenged economically most of the time. Yeah, you look at the surveys and over 60% of women who've had abortions say they regret the decision and had someone been there to help them, they would have chosen differently either to, you know, keep the, do- the, the baby or place it with a, a loving adoptive family. So this idea that, you know, women are, are running and skipping into the abortion mills all over the country, it's, it's another lie. And what the media do so well with the, the, you know, help of Planned Parenthood and the messages that they put out uh, in Ohio and Michigan and other states, it's all about fear. And it makes people who are even pro-life stop and think, well, maybe all of these services, they say the opposite of what's going to happen. They lie in the campaigns. They literally lie. They did it in Michigan. Mm -hmm. They say, well, nothing is going to be available. This is going to stop. This is going to stop other areas of health care. Because the only way they can try to get something like this passed is through fear. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it works. You and I know this being in the news business. And that's why we really have to educate ourselves on, on what the truth is about this, especially when it comes to these wonderful pregnancy resource centers. Well, let me give you a case in point. I mean, I think in Ohio, uh, one of the narratives that really caught on that was just a complete fabrication, a total lie, was that somehow miscarriage was going to be illegal if we Mm -hmm. have a heartbeat law in place, which is a total lie, total lie. And we're seeing it actually... um, even just last week. So there were two cases involving um, abortions and emergency care. And um, the Biden administration is trying to force doctors to offer abortion in emergency situations when these laws are actually saying you need to treat both patients, the mother and the unborn child. And Mm -hmm. there's not going to be a Uh, A doctor is not going to be penalized if he's trying to save both lives and the baby doesn't make it. But you don't just deliberately kill the child. Mm -hmm. And and so the but the way that. Oh, hold on. Let me see if I can pull up the way that our you you and I use the same newswire. Oh, Metro Source. yeah, Yeah. And I was. I was sitting there, you know, I often have to, and I know you do too, often have rewrite to the rewrite, story. This, <laughs> rewrite the story. And I was to make like, it accurate and not lie. I exactly. mean, how many times do you do that? How many, how many times? Oh my I mean, gosh. I must do it like half a dozen times at least a Okay, week. I, was, I was trying to, I, was, I keep trying to like figure out how to reword this, this, uh, this lead for this story. It says the Supreme Court is allowing Idaho to penalize doctors I saw who that. perform abortions in emergency situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then you go and you listen to the story, and it, of course, doesn't mention what the law really is or right. anything like that. It just makes it sound like, oh, big bad Idaho mm-hmm. is uh, forcing doctors to let women die on the emergency room yeah. table. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. And people think there's not an agenda with the media. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What's coming up on Catholic Connection this week? Well, speaking of pro-life, we have uh, the Susan B. Anthony list on with us today. Then also, nice. Dr. Bunsen's going to be joining us from EW10 to talk about the anniversary of Benedict's passing. He spoke oh, in Rome yeah. on that topic. Yeah, last yeah. Week, so. Oh, Great I'll stuff. be tuned in to that. I've been wanting to hear about that conference yeah. they did in Rome. That's awesome. Well, we'll be tuned in to Catholic Connection a little later this morning on EWTN Radio. T, it was good Thanks, to talk Annie. to you. Thank you. God bless. You Bye-bye. too. All right, it's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this.
Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people, now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. He was a mystic and reformer who died at the age of 33. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Catherine of Siena accomplished something no one thought possible. She convinced Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome after the popes had lived in France for almost the whole of the 14th century. They've been there ever since. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. Nineteen past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. Congressional leaders are announcing a budget agreement that will keep the government funded through 2024. Pope Francis yesterday to mark the feast of the baptism of the Lord baptized 16 infants in the Sistine Chapel. And during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father stressed the importance of our own baptism, saying it made us children of God forever. Next newscast in about 11 minutes at the bottom of the hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Now, some might be a little confused because why is the Holy Father talking about the baptism of the Lord on Sunday? We here in the United States were celebrating the Feast of the Epiphany um, liturgically. And that is because in Italy, or at least in Rome, I'm assuming all of Italy. I don't actually know that, but I I assume all of Italy. They still mark the Feast of the Epiphany on its traditional day, which is the 6th of January, the 12th day of Christmas. And then the next day is the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. So we here have shifted it just one day on. So we celebrated Epiphany yesterday. And then we celebrate the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord today. But it is all one mystery. Um, I, I don't remember who we were talking about this last week, but the Feast of the Epiphany, the Baptism of the Lord, and the Wedding at Cana all kind of traditionally lumped together as one great mystery known as the Theophany, the revealing of God. It's 21 past. 
If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence, the St. Monica Sodality Prayer for Fallen Away Catholics. Eternal and merciful Father, I give you thanks for the gift of your divine Son who suffered, died, and rose for all mankind. You gave St. Monica a spirit of selfless love manifested in her constant prayer for the conversion of her son, Augustine. Inspired by boundless confidence in your power to move hearts, I pray the grace to imitate her constancy in my heart for those who no longer share in the intimate life of your Catholic family. Grant through my prayer that they may be open to the promptings of your Holy Spirit and return to loving union with your church. Grant that also my prayer be ever hopeful and that I may never judge another, for you alone can read hearts. I ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you with us here on a Monday morning. Thanks for being here. Brendan Hodge is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of the novel, If You Can Get It, from Ignatius Press and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Good to be on with you. It is good to have you back. And there have been no shortage of reactions to Fiducia Supplicans, the declaration on blessings that the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith put out a couple of weeks ago. And the pillar has been doing a really incredible job of tracking the responses of bishops, particularly around the world. And you wrote a piece analyzing their responses, sort of looking at it from a regional angle. Now, obviously, there are going to be these outliers when it comes to, quote unquote, conservatives in progressively minded regions and and vice versa. But in general, how did you see regional trends in how this declaration was received? So obviously, as uh, you take a look at the different responses, and we have a, a a post on Pillar Catholic where we've been compiling in, in one post uh, summaries and links to the responses from bishops and bishops' conferences all over the world. Uh, one of the things that you see is that in uh, parts of Western Europe, there's been a lot of enthusiasm about the decree, um, and indeed people talking about it in France and Belgium and Germany as being a good start, that they feel like this is moving in a direction where they would like to go much, much further 
Um, and so they see it not as uh, simply stating something about uh, the pastoral nature of blessings, but as being one step on a road to doing something very different in terms of marriage in the Church. And then what we see from places like um, from Eastern Europe, from Africa, from much of Asia, and uh, to a great extent from the U.S. bishops, is an effort both to explain very, very clearly the distinctions that are made in the document that the Church has an unchanging teaching about the nature of marriage, and that that is not changing, and that these blessings that are being talked about are a way of calling down God's grace on people who need God's grace in their lives in order to follow God's will, and that they are not an endorsement of the relationship itself. So that it seems like there are these very different tones in these different parts of the world, and it's not just a matter of is this an affluent part of the world or not, or is it a progressive part of the world or not? Because obviously, as we see around us every day, living here in the U.S., the U.S. is one of the richest countries in the world. Um, culturally, there's all sorts of change and progressive activity going on in the U.S. We often see that kind of right up in front of our own faces, mm-hmm. and yet we see the bishops of our country trying to make these very clear distinctions for us. Yeah, so you've got kind of an interesting theory, I guess you could say, on why certain regions fall where they do in terms of how they received this declaration. So what did you surmise, Brendan? So one of the things that struck me is if we look at some of the areas in which the bishops have been seeking to use this in a much more accommodating way to make it seem as if the Church is more prepared to bless um, same-sex unions and other um, other unions that are not marriages, is that um, when you look at countries like uh, Austria, southern Germany, um, Belgium, and, um, and parts of Latin America, we're talking about countries in which Catholicism is really the only expression of Christianity around. And so the vast majority of people are baptized into Catholicism, when they have any interaction with Christianity at all in their lives, it's with Catholicism. And so for bishops in these areas, what they have is a population where basically everyone is Catholic. If you're not Catholic, you're not Christian at all. And and their big struggle is to keep people from actively choosing to leave the Church. So these bishops are very loss-averse. They're really focused on not giving people a reason to leave. Whereas in the U.S., of course, we know there's a very competitive religious environment. A lot of us have friends and family members who have left the Church to become evangelicals or mainline Protestants. Um, And although people think of Africa, for instance, as being a region which is deeply Catholic, it's actually a region in which there's huge religious competition. So, for instance, in Nigeria, which is kind of the powerhouse for the ordination of priests these days, Catholics only make up a little more than 10% of the population. Wow. There are actually more Protestants there than there are Catholics, and there's a large Muslim uh, population as well. And so Catholics there have to make very, very clear what they believe, why they believe that, and make the case for why you should live your life as a Catholic and not one of these other very actively evangelizing communities. Well, we've only got like a minute before we have to let you go for the day, Brendan, but can you talk about Europe specifically? I find it really interesting, this dividing line between East and West. What do you what do you make of that? So I think one of the things that we should recall in Europe is that while in a country like, say, Poland or Hungary, 
Um, there are uh, the Catholic Church is a very established church, and most of the Christians in that country are Catholic. These are countries that lived for a protracted period under communism, and yeah. the Communist Party made a very active evangelical attempt to draw people away from Christianity and to mm. convince people of their atheistic vision of the world. And so these churches in the Eastern Europe that lived under communism understood that they could only live through evangelization. They could not live through accommodation. Very interesting. Well, there's a lot more that you can read from Brendan's analysis over at Pillar Catholic. Dot com. You can find that and Brendan's blog, darwincatholic.blogspot.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Brendan, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Thank you. And you can find all of our guests linked on a daily basis in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Go check it out. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show, it's time for news. Congressional leaders are announcing a budget agreement that would keep the government funded through 2024. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson made a joint announcement of the nearly $1.7 trillion deal yesterday. The spending agreement will reportedly keep a number of domestic and social programs funded, despite some calls from GOP members for more extreme budget cuts. News of the breakthrough comes as both the House and Senate are set to return from holiday break. This week, as a battle with the Biden administration continues, the Supreme Court is allowing Idaho to continue enforcing a law requiring doctors to care for both mother and unborn child in emergency situations. Brian Shook reports. On Friday, the high court overruled a lower judge who previously said that part of the state's abortion ban conflicted with federal law. Other provisions of the near-total abortion ban had already taken effect. Now, doctors who perform abortions in emergency situations could be subject to criminal penalties. The Supreme Court said it will hear arguments on the issue in April. I'm Brian Shook. There was a similar case out of Texas decided earlier in the week last week when the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals blocked the Biden administration from forcing doctors to offer emergency doctors to offer abortions. Susan B. Anthony List President Marjorie Dannenfelser said in a statement, quote, for the second time, federal courts have delivered a big win for babies, mothers and the doctors who care for them. In the case of pregnancy, she said, the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act specifically says that hospitals must consider two patients, the mother and her unborn child. There is no basis whatsoever in this law for forcing doctors to carry out abortions, even against their better better medical judgment. She said the Fifth Circuit already made that crystal clear, rejecting the Biden administration's false and radical interpretation that ignored the baby altogether. Now the Supreme Court has affirmed that Idaho's protections for babies and women will remain fully in effect while the court hears these cases, end quote. Pope Francis yesterday to mark the feast of the baptism of the Lord baptized 16 infants in the Sistine Chapel. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Under the magnificent frescoes of the Sistine Chapel, Pope Francis presided over the Mass on the feast of the baptism of the Lord, recalling how the Lord's gift of faith to these children, the newly baptized, shows how they were also protagonists of the ceremony since they give witness of how to receive faith. He said they decide on this feast day as they prepare to receive the gift of faith. 
In fact, the Pope continued, Let them be an example of faith to us. May they show us how to receive our faith with innocence and with open hearts. Romeo, yo te bautizo en nombre del Padre, y del Hijo, y del Espíritu Santo. The Pope then went on to baptize each child one by one, welcoming each into the faith. Addressing then the godparents who'd been accompanying the children with their parents, the Holy Father said that they should be of help to the children as they accompany them in their growth, because this too is a way to help the faith, he said, and he thanked them for their witness. The Pope also encouraged the families to see the date of their baptism as a sort of birthday. It's the day that the faith was received, he said, a day to be celebrated, and you should teach your children that as well. During the ceremony, each father, one by one, was given a candle to light. The Pope said, take these candles home with you, as they represent the Christian light, which must never go out, inviting the families to turn to the candle in times of trial to remember this Christian light. Finally, accompanied by the words and music of Silent Night in Italian, the parents and godparents received a rosary and exchanged a few words with Pope Francis, who concluded the celebration by going around and blessing each and every child. I'm Thaddeus Jones. During his Angelus address, the Holy Father stressed the importance of our own baptism, saying it made us children of God forever. He said, in fact, it is, in fact, not like John's, a symbolic gesture, but a real gift of divine eternal life, an event of grace and communion with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, let us make a commitment to seek and remember the date of our baptism, and today let us thank the Lord. Since then, he is not only with us, but in us, end quote. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past... If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. We often hear about famous last words. The Bible, of course, is no exception here. From the book of Joshua, the final chapter, Joshua says to the people, Decide today whom you will serve. The gods your fathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose country you are dwelling? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As Joshua prepared to spend his last days on earth, he was very concerned about what he saw within the people of Israel. It appeared to him that although God had done so much for them, they were not always expressing gratitude to God for the things that God had done. In fact, they were beginning, it seems, to step away from God. And so Joshua worries about their remaining in the promised land. Will they remain there, or will they lose everything through their idolatry? And so to give them every spiritual advantage, Joshua challenges them to join him Decide today whom you will serve. 
As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thank you for joining us. Bobby Angel is with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He and his wife, Jackie, are regular contributors to Ascension Presents at ascensionpress.com. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning. How are you? I am fine and happy to have you along with us today. You know, it seems like every day uh, Ascension Press's new app is just adding more and more resources. And one of the newest features has to do with the daily mass readings. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, so this has been a project that they have undertaken with great care and a lot of preparation, but along with their app that is free, and there's also a paid portion to it, where like the free portion has the entire Bible in a year, the entire catechism, um, and a bunch of other reflections, too. So for the daily mass readings, we've contributed short, like, two-minute video reflections to go with either the first reading or the psalm or the gospel, and it draws in people like Father Mike, who contribute, um, Father Gregory Pine, Father Josh Johnson, my wife, uh, Jackie Francois Angel. I think I'm today. I think mm-hmm. I got my video. Yep, I just watched you. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so you can give me critique if you want. Um, I'm all ears. Uh, but just as a, as a way to help people in the busyness of their lives, um, just take these nuggets that God is offering us daily, either through the Bible, the Catechism, or the readings at Mass. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, your reflection is there for today for the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, right there at the top when you open the app. And um, I... Well, let's just start off with what is the significance of our Lord's baptism in his life? Ooh, <laughs> we can get, see if I can condense that into a, a radio spot. Sure. Um, because he didn't need to be baptized, of course. Like, Jesus was without sin. But he is standing with us in our broken humanity. And so by his holiness, sanctifying the waters and any waters to be used thereafter in that Trinitarian formula to baptize people like men and women, fallen men and women, who desire to be brought into the family of God. So it's not that Jesus needed to be baptized, but he in all ways humbled himself to be with us in our fallen humanity. Yeah, yeah, and your reflection for the Gospel, which this year we're hearing from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 7 through 11, um, you reflect on, on this line. It says, On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. I mean, what a description, the heavens being torn open. And something that I never really thought about, Bobby, that you talk about in the reflection is that that actually uh, takes us also to the scene of the crucifixion. 
Yeah, it foreshadows the tearing of the, the veil in the temple. Wow. So it's this uh, calling forward as, as well as like the fulfillment of Je- Jesus' mission, mm-hmm. where God is not fully other. He is now truly intimate with us by closest means in the Eucharist. But it's not this, um, you know, God is on a mountaintop far away from us. It's like, yes, of course, he, he is God and Lord of the universe. But it's also this, this new intimacy we have through Jesus Christ to the heart of the Father. And he, the, he meaning Mark, Mark goes on to say, And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. What does that tell us about the identity of Jesus? Oh, man. So my wife right now is reading uh, The Life of the Beloved by Henry Nouwen. Nice. And trying to not highlight every other sentence <laughs> as, she, as she reads it. Um, and it's, it's the, the cry of every man and woman, like religious or not. Like, am I seen? Am I known? Am I beloved? Do I have to earn the love of someone else? Uh, or am I lovable as I am? doesn't mean I had, don't have room to grow, but it's, in my essence, am I good? Am I, am I lovable? And that is the affirmation of the Father to the Son. It's, this is not just a great t- a teacher. He's not just a healing prophet who's misunderstood. It's like, no, no, this is my Son. This is, of my essence, the Son of God. And wow, I mean, think about the the implications that has for us, because, of course, we look to the baptism of the Lord and we are called as Christians to remember our own baptism being incorporated into the body of Christ. We become Christ. So what does this then say about our own identity? Oh, I mean, it's and how often we forget it, how often we maybe those of us like myself who were baptized as infants, um, didn't have a chance to assent to, like, the, the boldness of these claims to live as a child, as a son or daughter of the Father, in all that dignity. Like, Din is such a, like, we're all tempted, we're all fallen. It's so going backwards to the, the royalty we've been called into. It's not just we're, like, adopted, like, half-kids of God. It's like, no, yeah. you have full daughtership, full, full sonship, before the Father through our baptism, through what Jesus has given us, and um, the call to live in that, and let that let that be our defining identity, not our accolades or professions or hobbies, but like you are a beloved son or daughter of God. Like that, when we when we can live like that and remember that day in day out, it changes everything. It really does. And our conversation this morning lasted longer than the reflection oh, yeah. <laughs> that uh, that is available on the Ascension Press app, but you unpack all of that in just a matter of like two minutes. Uh, but we've been talking to Bobby Angel, who is uh, the reflector for uh, today's feast of the Baptism of the Lord on the Ascension Press app. Uh, Bobby, if listeners don't have the app yet and want to get it, where can they uh, go to download it? So if you go to ascensionpress.com slash app, A-P-P, you can also look for it in like your iTunes app store um, or Android like app store. 
the app is free to download, and there's a ton of free stuff, including the Bible in a year, the Catechism in a year, hearing Father Mike, like, it's all put together, like, the entire Bible. And then there is a paid tier where you'll get just different resources, like all the study programs Ascension has put out are on there in audio format, different, like, uh, frequently asked questions about some scripture verses. Um, it's really, really useful, and I'm, I'm blessed to um, be playing a role in it. Well, thank you so much for telling us more about it and uh, reflecting on this feast of the baptism of the Lord. We've got ascensionpress.com slash app linked in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Bobby Angel, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. You bet. And just uh, a quick note. I don't know. It was something that Bobby said that really made me think about it. You know, we take for granted our infant baptisms. And um, this is something that I really appreciated about seeing a traditional right baptism, um, the the traditional Latin mass version of the of the rite of baptism is so, so powerful. The parents have nothing to do, which is really appealing to me. Um, I just get to sit back and watch my children. Um, but the, the godparents speak on behalf of the child, but they speak as if they are the voice of the child. And so the priest begins saying, what is your name? And then the godparents answer with the child's name. What do you seek? Faith. And then it goes on from there. And it's just so powerful that um, it is the child taking on the the body of Christ, becoming part of the body of Christ, making that decision. It's just so beautiful. If you get a chance to go to a traditional baptism, do so. It's, it's cool. All right, we got to move on. Father John Gavin joins us next on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 14 till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Jack Williams, General Manager of EWTN Radio. 
As we look forward to the new year, we want to thank you for listening and encourage you to stay tuned in the coming weeks for some exciting programming announcements that are sure to make 2024 the best year ever for EWTN Radio. As we strive to continue the legacy of evangelization born out of Mother Angelica's vision, please keep us in your prayers and know that we pray for you daily. God bless you all. Father John Gavin is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. So today we continue our series on the Church Fathers and the Catechism. And so we're uh, talking about the Church in paragraph 760, and I will read it here because this, oh my gosh, it just catches your breath. All right, here we go. Mm -hmm. Christians of the first century said, the world was created for the sake of the church. God created the world for the sake of communion with his divine life, a communion brought about by the convocation of men in Christ. And this convocation is the church. The church is the goal of all things. And God permitted such painful upheavals as the angels fall and man's sin only as occasions and means for displaying all the power of his arm and the whole measure of the love he wanted to give the world. And then this quote from St. Clement of Alexandria, just as God's will is creation and is called the world, so his intention is the salvation of men and it is called the church. I'm I'm so blown away by these statements. And uh, actually, in addition to St. Clement of Alexandria, in here is quoted the shepherd of Hermas. What is that? Yes, that is or uh, was a, a very popular Christian work from probably the mid-2nd century, though some will put it earlier, and in fact, it was so popular, St. Irenaeus, in talking about the canon of the New Testament, said many Christians wanted to include it, but because it was composed outside of the apostolic era, it, it, in the end it was not, obviously. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's actually a series of visions and other material associated with an ex-slave named Hermas. Among his visions, he actually has an encounter with the Church, and the Church appears to him as a woman, first as a very old woman, kind of bearing the sins of the people. Then she gradually gets younger in each subsequent vision until she appears as a young bride of Christ. And I think allegorically what that vision is saying is that uh, the Church is old, and yet young at the same time, that the Church, uh, the, really the formation of the Church is at the heart of Christianity. And even in our fall, uh, bearing the sins, uh, that she in Christ continues that formation and becoming ever younger and becoming that bride of Christ, because as we just heard, uh, creation exists for this communion with the divine life, and it is through the Church that that will take place, uh, obviously in the, uh, through the saving actions of Christ. 
is such an incredible thought. Before I ask you more questions about that, let's get to Clement of Alexandria as well. Tell mm. us a little bit about him and where this quote comes from. So Clement of Alexandria uh, was also from the uh, second century. He was the uh, head of the catechetical school in Alexandria. So he was teaching catechumens. That was his uh, mission in the church. In fact, one of his most famous students was the theologian Origen of Alexandria. And he was one of the, the earliest. He was very well educated. And he's one of the earliest, we could say, uh, systematic theologians. I mean, really, uh, his works uh, draw on both philosophy and the scriptures to present the faith. And that quote that we just heard here, really a uh, wonderful one, uh, he shows that the, you know, the mission of the Church, he says here, is the salvation of humanity. It, that is, to be uh, that instrument of God's will to draw all into the divine life of Father, Son, and Spirit. And so, uh, as a catechetical teacher, he put that at the heart of his teaching and his preaching. Uh, that it is the mission of the Church in, uh, through Christ to bring all into that uh, eternal union. Well, I think just like we can sort of get lost, or we can, we can lose the, the sense that, like, well, this is in the, the section on the Holy Spirit, so let's use the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. as an example. There, there are those that— if they're not reading closely enough, might think that the Holy Spirit shows up for the first time at Pentecost, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and I think the same way with the Church, that we, we like to use the phrase, you know, oh, Pentecost is the birthday of the Church, but really mm -hmm. the Church was in the mind of God from the very beginning. Exactly. And this is really, the Fathers of the Church emphasize this regularly. Uh, in fact, even when you're, you're mentioning the, uh, the Holy Spirit, when they look at Genesis, they see the Spirit as the Spirit of God over the waters and the creation of the world. But uh, the intention of God, as we heard from Clement, uh, they see even present in the book of Genesis, that the story of the Church and the unfolding of God's intention, uh, even after the fall, uh, you know, the unfolding of God's intention, we can read there. So the Church becomes revealed and formed in Christ, of course, but as we know, uh, that's already taking place in God's, uh, God's uh, relation to us in history, as we see in salvation history in the Old Testament already. So the Church is ever ancient and ever new. Well, Father, knowing that, I mean, to, to go back to this quote from the Shepherd of Hermas, the world was created for the sake of the Church. Mm -hmm. Knowing that, Father, what do you think that—do do you think that brings more urgency to our mission of evangelization today? Absolutely, I mean, especially today when— you know, so many see creation as simply meaningless, right? It's just yeah. a bunch of atoms crashing into one another. Uh, we Christians, more than ever, need to put forward uh, the gospel message that we have been missioned to share. So in the sense that, obviously, creation exists to glorify God. But uh, we, as the Church, in union with Christ, 
are meant to give voice to that glory so that all may come to share in in that great song that we are to sing uh, to God in eternity. And that is the meaning of all things. And we really need to get that message uh, presented today. We really do. Thank you so much, Father John Gavin. You can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll look forward to being back with you tomorrow, EWTN. Until then, for Paul Lockman and Travis Smith, Matt Swain, I'm Anna Mitchell. May God bless you.